Welcome to Stone Cold Shows. I'm Brandon Strange with Josh Jordan today. Bonus episode, so no CP, just Josh, you, and me. Follow Josh at JoshJordan975 and read his work all week on sportsmap.com. And if you're part of viewership that watches and are not yet subscribed, you can fix it right now by hitting subscribe. As the wolf would say, pretty please with the cherry on top. One of the stories, Josh, that flew under the radar this week, I think, is Chandler Rome reporting that Astros pitcher Jose Arquiti said that he discovered this offseason that he was tipping pitches by how he moved and squeezed his glove during delivery. Chandler went on to clarify that Jose and the coaches knew he was tipping his pitches during the season and tried to remedy it, but it seems that perhaps they didn't know the exact tale until the offseason. At least that's how I interpreted it. Maybe you have a different interpretation of it, but... Arquiti had a rough season, 5-2-9 ERA, his highest of his career, bouts of shoulder inflammation. But Josh, I think we both agree that this development, this revelation is huge for an Astros season that will be predicated on several guys, not just Arquiti, but several guys looking for bounce back years. A hundred percent, because Arquiti was such a departure from what we're used to with him. You know, he's a guy that not in five ERA, you know what I mean? Threes, four, sure. That that makes sense for a back of the rotation starter, no big deal. But for him to be in the fives, that was alarming to me. So I, I kind of went back and looked at what the year looked like. And he had six starts before he got hurt. So he missed even more time than I remembered. So he had those six starts to start the year and three of them were pretty good. A couple of them were rough, which you expect kind of starting the season. You know, it takes a while to get stretched out. But then he missed May, June and July. He didn't return until August. So that was a big chunk of time. And we know he, he dealt with that shoulder discomfort. But what really jumped off the page to me when I looked at maybe he's tipping pitches, what wasn't working for him last year, what was. And then I looked at his velocity. Velocity on the fastball was about the same as the season before. So I don't think that's really it. And then I looked at the spin rate. It was actually just a hair a little better last year than the year before. So I think there might be something to it if he was tipping his pitches that that the guys were on the fastball and they were able to lay off the other stuff. The other thing that hurt him a lot was his walks, man. His walks jumped way up to 3.6 per nine innings. That's two more per nine innings that he had in 2021, just a couple more seasons or a couple seasons ago. So Urquidy's usually pretty, pretty accurate. So for him to jump up to rounding up to almost four walks per nine innings for him, that was a huge part. And that's what made his whip spike to a drastic measure. It was 1.143 for his career, including last year. And just last year alone, his whip was 1.4. So that also tells me that maybe he wasn't so sure that he could throw his fastball over the plate without it getting smashed around the yard. So he was a, you know, nipping at corners a little bit more, which led to him walking more people. And the other thing was his strikeouts. He had about one less strikeout per nine innings last year as well. So, you know, when I put all these things together and, and I have some other numbers we'll get back to, but you know, as I discuss these, you're starting to see like maybe guys were on the fastball. They were able to lay off the breaking stuff to change up and maybe he was being a little little too touchy, a little too sensitive with hitting corners and, and not getting the ball over the plate, which led to more walks. And then we know what happens then. You, you get those walks, and then you give up a big base hit, and then your ERA is over five. And that's not his uh, MO. He is no. a guy who attacks the strike zone. He's notorious for it. He's daring you to hit his stuff, and he's usually pretty good at being able to play those outside corners. 
And just a year before in 22, he had had that run of double digit quality starts. And not to mention that he's a guy that in moments has really stepped up in the postseason. Last year, no different. Like he had that game against the Twins, uh, five and two thirds innings pitched, three hits, two earned runs, and a walk, six strikeouts. I believe five of those were consecutive strikeouts. So this is a guy who, even with a tough season that he had last year seemed to be able to in the postseason step up when they needed him so he's going to be he's going to be a critical step especially with so many question marks around some of the other guys it's such a drastic change because you know i talked about his era being in the threes and fours for the most part that's actually not true i'm looking at it right now he'd never had an era in the fours until last year he was in the fives so it was all in the, the high threes for my fourth starter, that's a good ERA. So that just tells you something was really different last year. And when we know about the injury, but to me, I'm going back to the fastball. I have a couple more stats here. The slugging jumped way up on his fastball last season. And I looked at his other pitches. The fastball is the one that really caught my attention. The slugging on his fastball in 2022 was 482. Last season, 632. I mean, guys are hitting 630, slugging 632 off your fastball. You're going to be in some serious trouble there. And then his put away percentage on his fastball, it was only 8.3% last season. When you look back at 2022, it was 15%. So I just think maybe guys knew what was coming, like they're talking about. And typically when you are getting pitches tipped, you're going to lay off the breaking stuff because, you know, if it's low, let it go. It's going to probably be in the dirt. You can kind of just settle, look for that fastball. And, you know, he's a guy that throws 93 miles an hour, not super hard. That was his average. But, I mean, Verlander only averaged 94 on his fastball last year. So it's not like his velocity is, is so much worse than one of the best fast fastball pitchers in baseball. So I think there's something to it which makes me very encouraged in his spring training outing. He looked really good the other day. So I think if they can get Arkady back to being himself, you know, just at ERA in the high threes, even low fours, you can deal with that. So now I'm very optimistic he can have a bounce back year. Me too. I think that's why we want to talk about this because this is such a big deal. And you're not asking him to be a two or three in your no. rotation, but he's going to be a little bit further to the top because as we talked about before, JV running a week or two late starting the season, JV France, we still don't have an ETA yet for him. Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers way down the road. Hopefully we'll see them this season. They are going to need, they being the Astros, are going to need not only Jose Arquiti to step up, they need Hunter Brown, but that still leaves a fifth spot open. They play a ton of games out of the gate. They will likely need to get into a six-man rotation sooner than later, even if JV is good to come back and jump in that fifth spot in that first week. So right now, all our eyes are on some of these other pitchers that are out there, like a Brandon Belak, like a Ronel Blanco. How do you think they're going to handle the rotation getting into the season before JV and JP are both back? I think they're going to rely on guys that, that we're very familiar with. I think it's going to be Ronel Blanco. Dana Brown talked about it on the broadcast the other day that he's stretched out to, to add depth to the starting rotation. So he'll be a guy. And it's hard to remember this stuff, but if we went back to June of last year, he made five starts in the month of June for the Astros, Blanco did. so, And he got into at least the fifth or sixth inning and in all those starts. So I think he'll be a guy. And then, of course, you know, Brandon Belak, we've seen him quite a bit. And we know how he, you know, he gets slapped around. But overall, he keeps you in the ball game. I thought he did a good job of doing that last year. So I think these will be a couple of the guys they lean on. And that's fine. It's early in the year. 
hitters typically take a while to get going. So I think these guys can get it done. And hopefully JB only maybe misses a start or two. And hopefully France is back soon. But they have some guys that are ready to handle this. Yeah, to your point, Belak was kind of a revelation when you needed him last year. His ERA was under four. He was a 3-8-3 through 15 games played. And he was only five and six. Win-loss doesn't really matter. His whip, 1-5-3, that's not necessarily where you want to see it. Like you said, there was some hard contact made, but the defense stepped up behind him. That's really what you want as a guy who's a marginal starter on your rotation. A guy who's going to come in and be your, your sixth man where you're just trying to eat innings. He was a uh, three, six, five and 22, three, eight, three and 23. So if you can be in that area with him, if, if he can keep his ERA under four, that's going to be huge for the Astros. And again, there's Ronel Blanco, who's could be a possibility as well. Hopefully Bridget until they can get JP France back and hopefully he can return to form of what we saw from him last season. Hopefully we see Luis Garcia sooner than later. And hey, we might even see a Lance McCullers. So that would be huge for the Astros. Uh, That's going to be it for our bonus episode of Stone Cold Strohs. Make sure you're joining us on Monday. Charlie Polillo will be back. We appreciate your time as always. Thanks for watching. Go Strohs! And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so.